Well, Merry Christmas, Oxano Church. <laughs> um, you know, I was thinking, as Denise was talking, it says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. And when, in, in Luke chapter 2, it says that Caesar Augustus decreed that there would be uh, a, an accounting, a, a reckoning of, of everyone in that whole area. I'm just read it real, real briefly. Um, that there was going to be Caesar Augustus, that all the world should be taxed, and that they would be, they had to all go to their own city. So everyone that didn't, wasn't where they grew up or wasn't where they were born had to travel back to their home city. And this seemed like this was just a big Roman hassle. I imagine all the, the, the migration of people moving uh, back to their home city and, the, and then registering and being taxed. But this was all done for one reason, so that prophecy would be fulfilled that that baby and Mary would be born in Bethlehem. Think about that. He, Joseph, his hometown was Nazareth, so he had to go to Bethlehem to fulfill Micah 5 too. Just for one little Galilean family, one little Nazarite family that, that the Roman Empire couldn't care less about. They, they had, Caesar had no thought about it when the Holy Spirit put in Caesar's mind, tax everybody, make them go back to their home country. So God sees the small thing. He sees the small people. He sees the individual. He sees what the world sees as insignificant. But in that, he sees, he sees what his plan is for us, and he sees Christ. <clears throat> so this message is, a, is a, going to be on the shorter side, a Christmas message, and I want to talk about the tender mercy of our God, the tender mercy of our God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for... Um, Another year, God, the challenges of this year that you brought us through, the faithfulness of God that, that you showed to us. And Lord, we just thank you that we can celebrate your coming to this earth. But Lord, more than even coming to earth 2,000 years ago, we thank you that you came to us. You came to us, Lord, and you came by your spirit and you showed us Christ and you saved us. And you gave us uh, not the birth of Christ so many years ago, but you gave us second birth. You gave us the new birth, God. You were born into our hearts by faith. And we thank you for that, that you came to stay. You live in us. So God, anoint this word, touch hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand for the reading of the word? We're going to be reading from Luke 1, 67 to 79. Now his father, Zecharias, this is John the Baptist's father, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, and you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, 
to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. You may be seated. So this, the context here, this passage that we just read is that uh, John the Baptist had just been born. And if you remember, he was a priest and had gone into the temple uh, to do his, the lot had fallen to him and he'd gone into the temple to do his duties and an angel came before him and said that your prayers have been answered, that you're going to bear a child in, your, in Elizabeth, your, your wife in your old age, she was barren. She's going to bear a child and this child is going to be special. He's going to be the prophet who's going to prepare the way of the Messiah. And Zechariah said, how can this be? I'm old and my wife is old. And his unbelief caused the angel to say, I stand in the presence of God. Because you haven't believed his word, you'll be, you will not be able to speak until the fulfillment of these things. And so Zechariah had been struck and become mute. He came out of the temple and he's motioning and everybody's like, what happened? He must have seen a vision or something. He came out and, and everybody knew something had happened. And from, then, from that point forward, he had to write down everything. He couldn't speak. Some of you wives would be happy if that happened to your husband or, or maybe vice versa. <laughs> But when John the Baptist was born, they said, what shall he be named? And they said, John. And, and they said, well, you don't have anyone in your family named John. It's not tradition to name. You name him after the father, the grandfather. And they said, well, what does Zechariah say? And they brought him a writing tablet, and he wrote, his name is John. And at that moment, his tongue was loosed. And it says, the Spirit of God fell on him, and he began to prophesy. And what we read is what he prophesied. And it's interesting to me that he didn't prophesy about his son, who Jesus would later say, John, his cousin, John the Baptist, that, that among those born of women, there would be no one greater than John the Baptist in, in this dispensation before the kingdom of God. But he would, be, he would be considered least in the kingdom of God once Christ had ascended and poured out his spirit. But John the Baptist would be a bright and a shining lamp, and yet his own father, who he had been mute over this, not believing the prophecy of the angel, now he speaks, and who does he speak of? Not of his son, really. Only one verse is about his son. He speaks of Christ. And he says he has visited and redeemed his people. That's why Christ came. His primary mission was to redeem us back to God. That was the mission of Jesus Christ. It was to reconcile us, to take those, to take everyone that's at animosity with God, and that's everyone that's ever been born, and to bring us back into peace with God to bring us back into fellowship, not through his birth, but through his death and his resurrection, through him offering himself as a sacrifice to God. It says in verse 71 that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. I'm sure many of those people there would have, if they heard his prophecy, they'd say, yes, saved from the hand of our enemies, the Romans, and those that hate us, the, the non-Jews. Well, that's not what Jesus was talking about. He wasn't talking about political freedom. He was talking about deliverance from the enemies of our sin and of our spiritual enemies. It says to perform the mercy promised and then later being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Do you know God wants us to serve him without fear? When you're born again, it enables you to serve Christ without fear. What an incredible blessing that the Holy Spirit comes into our life to drive out fear so we can serve God in holiness 
and in his righteousness before him all the days of our life. Then he says, in you, child, he's speaking to his son, the baby, John the Baptist, you'll be called the prophet of the highest. For you will, you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. You see, if we're called to anything in life and ministry, it's to prepare his ways. It's not about us. It's about Christ. It's not about us doing ministry to be seen. It's about Christ being seen and glorified. And that's what John the Baptist said later. He said, he must increase. He must Oxano, I must decrease. That's the way of this kingdom. It's not about us. It's about him. It says, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. You see, Christmas is about salvation. Christmas is about redemption. It's not about a cute little baby that we celebrate and then we put him next to Santa Claus. It's not about the lights and the gifts. It's about salvation. It's about redemption. It's about what the Father sent his Son into the world to do, which was to save us and to redeem us back to God. It says, verse 78, I love this, through the tender mercy of our God. I love that. Through the tender mercy. It's a, it's a stooping mercy. It's a, it's a humble mercy. It's a mercy that meets the broken person in, the, in their lowest condition, in their brokenness. Through the tender mercy of our God, I want to I challenge you believers here today that God has given you a commission to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ, to be like John the Baptist who would go and prepare the way of the Lord, that you would be less and he would be more, that you wouldn't be seen but he would be seen, and that God has, has called us to a, to a ministry of reconciliation. But how do we do that? How do we execute that? Do we do it with, uh, with pride and with a superior, superiority mindset? Look at me. I'm great. I'm holy. I've been cleansed. I've been washed. I got the robe of righteousness. Now you, you poor sinners. No, I believe that, God, that we are supposed to have the heart of God, and that's tender mercy. We are to be clothed in humility and meekness, and we are to bring the salvation of Jesus Christ to people with great tenderness, with great tender mercies. It says, with which the day spring from on high has visited us. Wow, what an incredible thing. The day spring from on high has visited us. The day spring is Christ. He's the light of the world. And he's visited, he's visited the world. To give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the way of peace. You know, the only answer for, for peace in this world is Jesus Christ. He's the only answer for peace of nations, of, of races, of families. You know, have you heard the, fat, the, hat, the Hatfields and the McCoys? That famous, infamous uh, two, two families down south that just hated each other and fought each other and killed each other. Jesus Christ is our peace. When you have Christ, as, as we talked last Sunday at our, at our, um, our unity meeting, uh, us and the Besses, we could have hated each other. That's what Pastor Tyler Besses said right here. He said, he said, if it wasn't for Christ and his spirit, we would have hated you. And you would have hated us. But the cross reconciles those that are at enmity. The cross lays down all our pride and all our right to be angry and, and vengeful and says, you must forgive as I've forgiven you. And the cross gives us the love of God poured into our hearts. So we can not only not hate each other and then just walk past each other, but actually love each other. 
actually love each other. That's the power of this day spring on high, this Christ visiting us to guide our feet into the way of peace, how this world needs peace. God sent a deliverer 1,500 years before Christ to redeem his people from Egyptian bondage. It says the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Do you know that all that Jesus did in his three years of ministry was go about doing good and healing people that were oppressed by the devil? All he did, he, he, the, the, the only harshness you could find in him was toward the religious leaders who shrouded, who clouded the truth, who actually hindered people from coming to, to salvation. He was angry with them because they were, they were stopping people from coming to truth. That made him angry, and he rebuked them harshly. And, and his, his casting those people out of the, out of the temple was to, to show that my temple is supposed to be a house of prayer for all people, not a place that you make money, not a place of merchandise. But Jesus went about in gentleness and tender mercy, stooping down to the, to the lowest rejects and castaways of society. That's what he did. He just went about showing mercy, mercy of God, the tender mercies of God, speaking truth and showing grace. That's what Jesus did over and over again. He came to represent the Father. People say, well, the Father, he's the stern one. No, Jesus represents the Father. He came to display the Father. He told Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Man, I'm glad that I didn't. Moses was incredible, incredible leader. It says he was the meekest man on the earth. But I'm so glad I wasn't under Moses' leadership. I would have been scared. I would have been intimidated. You know, the earth opened up and swallowed people alive. But Jesus just came doing good ministering truth and peace and love and healing again and again and again. And yet he came to his own and his own did not receive him. His own rejected him. He came to his own and they accused him and, and, and eventually crucified him. Hmm. God's redemption plan. Deliver us out of the hand of our enemies and from those that hate us. Acts 10.38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. What did he do? He was anointed with power. What did he do with that power? He went about healing those that were captivated by darkness, those that were oppressed by the devil. He set people free. Think about that. Doesn't this world, don't you know people that are oppressed of the devil? Don't you know people that are oppressed in their mind, confused in their mind, troubled and, and pressed by the enemy and, and at a place of feeling like giving up? Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Many, most people don't realize that they're oppressed by the devil or captives to their own sins. They just think that they have had bad luck or that they, they've been dealt a bad hand in life. But Jesus came to set people free. He did this not only by casting out demons. Many demoniacs were saved or were set free by Jesus' touch in his three years. But he did this. He dealt the death blow to Satan when he offered himself to God on a Roman cross. He defeated the powers of darkness on the day that he cried, it is finished. He defeated the powers of darkness. Jesus said he came to seek and to save the lost, to go after those broken by this world and to break chains of darkness. 
Did you know he's commissioned us to do that now? He's commissioned us to break every yoke, to set captives free, to bring the truth of the gospel to people. He hasn't called us just to do our church thing and gather together twice or three times a week to pray and to, and to fellowship. Those are all good things. He's called us to go out and to bring the lost into the wedding supper of the Lamb, to be the tender mercy of Jesus Christ, the hands and the feet that go after people to bring hope to this dying world. That's what I challenge you with. At the end of this year, going into 2023, I challenge you to say, God, use my life to bring light, to bring hope to the lost, to bring, to, to bring people to Jesus Christ. And my friend, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing to see believers being built up in Christ, but it's an incredible thing to see people saved and born again. That's an incredible thing. I don't know if there's any greater joy to, 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 to a person who loves God. It says in heaven that when one sinner repents, that the angels in heaven rejoice over just one sinner. Can you make it your goal this year to just lead one person to Jesus Christ? To make heaven have a party over one person that you just bring the tender mercies of Christ. You can't save him. I can't save him. God brings the increase, right? But we can show the light of Jesus Christ to people that we bump into, to people that are in our friend group that aren't saved. We can show the light of Jesus Christ. Listen, Jesus Christ came to break the chains of darkness. I want to ask, what has the world taken from you? If you're not saved today, what has the world taken from you? Have you been stripped and feel like you're barely holding on? like you're a flame about to go out. Matthew 12, 20 and 21 says, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. Think about that. A bruised reed he will not break. He's not talking about plants. A smoking flax he will not quench. He's, it's talking about this, just a, a flax that's just smoking and it's about to, 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 be, to be put out. Jesus isn't going to walk by and go, no, this shows the gentleness of Jesus Christ. This shows the tender mercies of God. The bruised reed and the smoking flax is a person. It's a man or a woman that has come to the end and they're, and, and they're just desperate like, I'm barely hanging on. My life is so, so destroyed. I've lost so much in this world. My life is so depressed. I have no hope for the future. They're a bruised reed and a smoking flax. And Jesus, the, the characteristic of Jesus, he's not going to put them out. He's going to fan the flame. Whatever flame is there, he's going to bring to life that which is bruised. He's going to heal and set free. And that's the ministry that we have to others, is to be like going around and not just see people in their brokenness and say, man, they're messed up. Man, they're screwed up. Man, they're barely hanging on. Yeah, that's true. But what are you going to do about it? Show the love and mercy and the tenderness of Christ. The church is not to go around putting people out but bringing people in, bringing people to Jesus Christ, the healer. Psalm 18.35 says, You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness has made me great. I want you to just consider the gentleness, the tender mercies of Jesus Christ. This is something that I need to grow in as a Christian. I want to display the gentleness, the tenderness of Jesus Christ because we live in a broken world and there's people out there that have open wounds 
And if we go to them and we try to fix their broken wound, or we, we, they, got a, they got something stuck in their flesh and we try to pull it out, and we're not so gentle and so careful, we can hurt them worse by trying to help them. But if we go and say, oh, Jesus, give me the gentleness and the tenderness of Christ, we can help people. We can bring people to the healer. We, can't, we don't have the healing in ourselves, but Christ does. We can bring people to him. Is your life like a bruised reed or a smoking flax this Christmas? Christ the day spring is wanting to visit you and not break or quench you, but touch you with his tender mercies, the tender mercies of his Father. He wants to speak gentle words of truth and grace that if you believe will make you free. He will lift you up out of your brokenness and save you. He wants to give you an entirely new life. Jesus visited the earth with the tender mercy of God for his short 33-year life, three years of ministry. But he's come to us not for a short yearly visit at Christmas, but to live in us forever. Not just a visit. It says he's visited us with the day spring. Not just a visit that's hello, goodbye, like we're going to have with some of our family today and tomorrow. Hi, how are you doing? Good to see you. Jesus has come to visit, to stay, to stay, to abide to remain in us. Hallelujah. As the great hymn that we sang, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Jesus came to raise the sons of earth. He came that we may no more die, but to give us second birth. There's no other way I think Jesus could have described it but to say you must be born again because to have your sins forgiven and the Holy Spirit poured into you is nothing short of a complete new beginning, just like a a natural baby being born. It's a completely new life. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to seek and to save the lost. Colossians 2, 13 through 15 says, And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he's made alive together with him. When you were dead, in the gutter, in a desperate place, a smoking flax, a bruised reed, he came to lift you out of that, to give you new life. He's forgiven you all trespasses and wiped away the handwriting of requirements that was against us, the law. In other words, the law is a means to getting to God, which was contrary or against us. And he's taken, out, he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to his cross. All your list of sins... That he knows, that, that, that he knew all your list of sins and all the, the, the law saying, you've done this, you've done that. He says he took it out of the way. He nailed it to the cross, having forgiven you all your trespasses. And having disarmed principalities and powers, there's the enemies that he came to set us free from. Not the Romans, not the government, not, not, not the things out there, the boogeyman that's going to get us, but the principalities and the powers, the powers of darkness, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. In what? In the cross. When Jesus died at the cross, he triumphed over the powers of darkness. Jesus, the name that charms our fears, that bids our sorrows cease. Tis music in the sinner's ear. Tis life and health and peace. He breaks the power of canceled sin. I love that line. He breaks the power of canceled sin. Do you know he's canceled all the power of sin at the cross? And When you come to him by faith and you receive his victory over your sin, your lust, your pride, your gossip, you name it, 
When you believe Christ, he breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the vilest clean, the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. His blood triumphed for me. God's greatest desire was and is to restore the broken relationship between people and himself. One person at a time. You may not be able to preach to a crowd. You may not be able to go and do a, a ministry over in Africa and preach to thousands of people. You can reach people one person at a time. One person at a time with the compassion of Christ and with the Spirit of God leading you. His desire is to reconcile you and himself by putting himself in you. God was born into this world a little babe wrapped in human flesh, but he didn't come so we could celebrate once a year, give each other gifts. He came to make room in every heart for himself. He came to be born in you and to grow in you, to give you new life. He came to, de to deliver you from all your sins, not just the reality that you've sinned, but the guilt of your sin. You know, that's, what, that's an, the miracle of the blood of Jesus is that only the blood can wash away your guilty conscience. Isn't that incredible that when you come and confess your sin, he takes away the shame and the guilt of your past? And if after you've experienced that, you have some shame that keeps holding on, that's just the enemy lying to you. You just say, no, liar, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not in that anymore. I've been washed, I've been cleansed. He's cleansed my conscience. He's made me clean. What a wonder of the blood of Jesus Christ that it not only takes away our sin, it takes away the guilt of our sin, the shame of our sin. Praise God. He delivers you from the taskmaster, Satan, by his cross. He transfers or translates you out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his love. That's tender mercy. That's tender mercy. He didn't come to extinguish you or to crush you, but to give you new life and peace. The new life he gives is eternal life, and it begins the moment you turn from your sins to him by faith. Maybe you've experienced people in the church being less than showing you the tender mercies of Christ, less than your, their gentleness making you great. But Jesus is not that way. Listen, we as a church, we as redeemed people, we fail. We fail in our testimony to people. We fail in being a perfect representative of Christ. We do our best, and Christ is changing us. But my friend, if you've been hurt by people in the church and you say, well, they say that they love Christ, but they've been harsh to me. They've been mean to me. That's not Jesus. That was their own flesh. Don't, don't relate that to Jesus Christ. He won't put you out if you're a bruised reed, if you're... If you're a smoking flax, he, he's come to, to heal you. He's come to save you. And he'll do it if you'll let him. What has the world taken from you? What has life taken from you? Jesus said, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Do you, do you believe that? I do. And I've experienced it. Christ has pushed the enemy out of my life and he's given me life and he's given me overflowing life, abundant life, and it's growing. It's growing. It's a fountain that's just bubbling over and it's increasing. Jesus is true. Everything he says is true. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am what? Gentle. 
There's the tender mercies of Christ. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Religion is heavy. The law is heavy. But Christ's yoke and burden is light. And he is gentle. Praise God. He says, come to me. Come to me. I'm not going to force you, but I'm inviting you. Come to me. Isn't it time to come to Jesus and find life and rest for your soul? He is peace. We read in Luke 179, to give light to those who sit in darkness. Haven't you sat in darkness long enough? I'm speaking to some people that maybe you're hearing this by, um, over the internet. And you've been, you, you, you can relate to being a smoking flax. You can relate to be a bruised reed. And you can relate to walking in darkness. You can relate to, to, to that, to living in the shadow of death. Jesus came to guide your feet into the way of peace. Isn't it time to surrender to Jesus? And isn't it time, church, to, to say, I want to be one that leads people to the tender Savior. I want to be one that doesn't just, isn't just passive, but is active in reaching people to bring them to Christ. That's what Christmas is about. That's what Easter is about. That's what the gospel's about. It's about bringing people to the tender mercies of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you that you came to this earth, God. You came to a world you knew would reject you. You came to a earth, to a world and a people you knew would crucify you. But you did it for love. You did it to reconcile people back to yourself, to live in them, not just to visit them for a quick visit, Lord, but to live and abide in us, our Emmanuel. God, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you for the cross. We pray, God, that you would do mighty works and that you would save people, save family members that we know that are lost, God. Save friends that we know that are in darkness, living in the shadow of death. Save people, Lord, that are just smoking flaxes and bruised reeds. Save people by your grace and use us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to partner with you by faith this coming year, even this week, even today, in Jesus' name. Amen.